Hello, and welcome to Hush Plus One. I'm your host, Adam Krockenberg, and on today's show, we have Graham Kelman, a multidisciplinary architect based in New York. Graham has created striking physical installations and environments for tons of brands and agencies, and we were lucky enough to have him come by and explain his work and process for us. Enjoy. My name is Graham Kelman. I'm a multidisciplinary architect in New York, and it's great to be here. I, I had that written down that you were a multidisciplinary architect. What does that mean exactly? That's a great question. That's the, the way I can summarize uh, a thousand different thoughts into a single title, but it basically means that it could be small, it could be large, it could be 2D, it could be 3D, it could be digital, it could be physical. It really doesn't matter. It's, you know, I believe a good designer can design something that could be, you know, a spoon or a skyscraper. And that's how I approach things with, with that multidisciplinary thing in mind. I don't try to separate too much between different fields. I, l- I like to see where they overlap and blur. So what kind of fields specifically? I mean, I know you're talking about, about things being digital or physical or larger or small, but smaller, but like what kinds of things do you work on? Like retail? Sure architecture in a small scale. (laughs) So that, that umbrella incorporates retail It incorporates branding incorporates environments It incorporates sculpture, art installations, public art, anything that exists. Lots of things that exist in space. And are you more into something that's public facing? Is that the idea? Yes. I like to inspire people. So a lot of times I ask people how they got to where they are. So if you could go through and tell me a little bit about how you ended up doing what you're doing. Sure. So, you know, I always have this line of architecture for me was indecision more than it was decision. I love to draw and make things, but I didn't really know how I would apply it uh, in my life in order to make money to feed myself. So I felt like architecture was like the mother art, right? Like, if I was able to be an architect, I could do anything. I could make small, large, digital, physical, you know, things I could uh, come up with ideas and I could execute ideas. So I went to architecture school, did my five years, worked for a few architecture firms, finished all my interning hours, got, you know, did everything I needed to do, design buildings, and then realized I didn't want to do that. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. Was that all in New York? No, that was in Philadelphia. And going to New York was a chance for me to redefine myself and get back to my roots, which were more multidisciplinary. So I got to start working at a design build called Guild. I started there as a designer and I got most of my basic fundamental design build experience there. So the office is right next to a shop. You come up with ideas and you execute ideas in the same space. And you have that dialogue back and forth and you see how things come together. Sometimes people come up to you with more developed ideas. Sometimes people come up to you with nothing and you have to come up with something. So it was through these experiences where I I got my chops and I've been doing that type of thing ever since 
a little bit more behind the computer now, a little bit less nitty gritty in the shop. But I, I do uh, yearn for that because I feel like if you get too distant from the fabrication process, then sure. things go awry and you're just kind of creating like pipe dreams rather than real ideas. Well, I mean, a lot of designers nowadays are doing things just for a screen, just for, for sure. digital or, you know, for print style things. But there's so much web out there. And I, I, I'm interested in the, the fact that you're much more grounded in something physical. Yeah. And that is like pe people that do uh, that well, like some of the people we were talking about before, like it's incredible. And they could almost make things feel spatial, even though they're 2D uh, or, or even though they're digital and they're flat on a screen or, or uh, projected, like you could create things that are very immersive and that are very powerful experiences. But I am of the sense of like, you know, everyone's got a phone in their pocket, right? It's like the sure. most ubiquitous thing there is to have a digital screen and to touch a screen and to have an experience on a screen. So like, how can we create something that's tangible. That's what interests me. Things in real life with that use materials that I can be inside of, that I could occupy, that I could use, that I could touch. I think being multi-sensory in a, in a physical way or something that interests me. I am looking for opportunities to like integrate in creative technology a lot more. Sometimes like there's been a habit lately where it's like, you know, I work, I collaborate with creative technology places. I come in and I'm like going to be the environmental guy, right? That's going to come in and I'm going to like, we're going to figure out how we can make this happen in a space and, and sure, sure. think about it, how it would be. And really what I end up doing is creating a frame for a TV right. screen. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm looking for that You'd opportunity. rather have, have the rest of the space actually be a major part of the expression. Yeah, yeah. Or the rest of the space or the medium. Like, medium. like, does it have to be a screen? Right. Could it be something else? Could it be a physical thing? Could the, yeah. like, I love, I love these like kinetic sculptures I've been seeing lately and these, these executions of technology and physical ways that they've considered the material and, and the space and the form mm -hmm. along with the, 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 the programming logic and the look and feel of the graphic interface and like all that other stuff that we have to consider sure what else you know that's what i'm asking what else that sounds very hushy uh, all the <laughs> stuff you're talking about right there great great uh, that's hushy. a lot of real hushy that's yeah. the thing we we, we talk about a lot i mean we've Love got hushy. we've got a lot of people who are working on rhino here they use okay. grasshopper but we've got yeah. creative technologists other designers sure just a bunch of stuff like that so yeah definitely resonating yeah. we're on the same uh, wavelength yeah so you were talking in the other room about how you don't think of your projects as one-offs and how you think of the, of these ideas that are more overarching than your projects. Yes. I'd love to explore a couple of those ideas. Sure. Yeah. You started with something uh, that was simple complexity. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Creating something complex or something sophisticated doesn't need to be complex or sophisticated. It could be composed. So like the complexity is emergent. Right. Yeah. Like when I, like I have this cup of coffee in front of me, like if this cup of coffee sitting here is a cup of coffee, but if I had 10,000 cups of coffee, it's something completely different. Right. I, I love that idea of there's simple components that make up the complex things. And I think that's a really useful concept when it comes to form, fabrication, 
architecture and spaces, even down to creating something that's cost effective. When we have repetition, we know just from understanding how things are made and industrially, they get less expensive, they get less difficult and complex to figure out. Yeah, the more, requires the less more you labor. make, it's, right. it's easier. It's, it's such a simple, it's a simple concept to create something <laughs> complex. So that's exactly like, I, I love that, that contrast, that duality. And we can, we can totally link in the, the notes for the show, some of the pictures of the projects that you're talking about. Cool. I'm just imagining that cup of coffee that I'm looking at in front of you. If you had a small, a medium and a large, and you had like 3000 of them and you could make all these complex patterns out of cups with basically the same profile. It's like you could apply it to kind of anything. And I, I, I love this like high, low aspect, this duality, like the more lame the object is, or the more like prosaic the object is like the better, because when you have 10,000 lame things, it's, it's anything but lame. Like I, I, I love that concept. So can you give us an example or two, just quick high level view of some things that you've done that really express this? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's something that runs through most of my projects. We created the, the soundscape, which was a execution for Sennheiser in the world trade center. Like at the Oculus. Yeah. At the, exactly at the Oculus. And it was 3000 rods at different heights that created this landscape of these, like, they're like almost like these glass tubes with dichroic coating in it that changed color as you walked around it. It's really difficult to explain if you, if you're not seeing it, but basically so it's tubes, it's tubes and they're all tubes and it's a simple object, but from every angle, it changes color and it does this larger yeah. geometric expression. Right. And it's difficult to like, I, I think this idea of like an ephemeral form. Like you can't really get it because it's all the parts, but they're implying a shape. So it's like, depending on who is experiencing it or looking at it, it is a completely different custom experience. And again, none of that is digital. It's just physical. It's just the, the form is conveying an idea just from the gesture which which i enjoy and it's through repetition it's just repetition of tubes at different lengths i mean i saw you showed a couple of other things that were hanging pieces over over some stairs or sure. escalators mm -hmm. and they were made of in one case just one repeating part and in another case it was five parts yeah 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 was, so we did we did a few installations for wolf gordon and they create commercial textiles and things and they they're always looking for new ways to to show them off and so we did a few hanging sculptural installations above a staircase. And the first one in 2012 canopy, we were looking to create something that was like super dynamic and spiky and organic. Like it just like, it was almost graphic. You could, you didn't understand it. Yeah. It, it looks, yeah, it looks like it's some sort of magical thing from another dimension that's kind of poking into this reality. It doesn't look real. And when you saw it, it doesn't look real because it just looks like a shape that someone scribbled, but it's highly engineered. It's and it's again, this engineered complexity and it's made of five parts that just repeat in different ways and mirror, which that, that actually reminds me of your second major overarching point, which was about making a kit of parts that exactly. is a smaller, more economical thing to do that at the same time, you can create these large gestures out of. 
Yeah, exactly. It's exactly that. It's repetition, kit of parts, and simple. Like they're kind of the same idea, but it's put into different ways. I think the idea of kit of parts is more for creating modularity or something that can flex and adapt sure. in the future. It has less of a static quality. It's more of like how can we extend the lifetime of this thing to whatever scenario uh, we encounter in the future through these simple parts. Yeah, modularity always like makes flexibility and making that seem more bespoke is kind of magical yeah yeah i think i think that's the goal is to make it not feel like like when you think in your head of modularity and you think of this it could be really like i don't know limiting it, it becomes ikea exactly really it becomes ikea really quickly and so uh, you know when i'm incorporating that idea into projects i'm always looking for an opportunity to for it to be actually like incredibly custom and incredibly specific to what you are trying to do and it to feel bespoke even though it is highly engineered and 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 thoughtful and and it is limited it's it's done within parameters you know uh, there's nothing that's just like limited limitless about it it's, yeah, you were you're talking about sort of enjoying having limitations on your process yeah before I know this is a common theme I'm seeing with a lot of people who are creative in this industry and in other industries in New York that I've interviewed, but also just like anybody, anybody, right? Personally, I find it much easier to create a piece of art that has rules around it already. If I'm limiting myself to a couple of instruments, making a song, yeah. it's really like the ideas flow more quickly for me when I don't have all the options and all the budget and all sure. the time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like in your head, you're like, oh my God, if I just had the huge budget and this, and we didn't have this part of the brief and we didn't have to do it on the site where we'd have to, we have to fit it into a 20 by 20 and da -da, like, it would just be so easy. And then all of a sudden you get an opportunity that rolls around and you get that limitless budget and stuff like that. And then Terrifying. you go, Oh shit. <laughs> and you just realize in the, the moves you're making are so arbitrary because they're not based on any limitations. They're not responding to anything. I like, I like this idea of a dialogue. Like you have these parameters, you're responding to them mm -hmm. and it has to be this way. Like it has to be this way. And, and you'll notice in, in a lot of the, the work that I have, I do this build up where it's kind of like, it starts off, here's the site. Here's the space that we are allowed to build in. Here's how tall it can go. Okay. And then it has to be this wide because, you know, it has to be this tall because people are sitting on it and, ha and you just start to apply all these parameters to it. And it becomes what it needs to become because there are no, like, like it almost seems like at the end of that layered argument, there are no options. It needs to be this. And I, I, I like that. I mean, but the way that you're yeah. describing it is such like functional design that I see something completely more than that in what you're doing. I mean, I, I understand like the limitations, sure. like creating something, right? but there's something more to that. There's a deep idea. There's a deep gesture in everything that you're doing that is not. Yeah. Well, I believe in expressiveness. Some people like, or some projects, or I get this vibe that's like the more human touches it, like the the worse it is, the less are <laughs> like it needs to be created by nature, just evolved and generated. It needs to be some sort of platonic yeah. form like, or something. We're all people. We all have experiences. We're all you know born and raised in our own environments. We have particular opinions and philosophies, and I love 
I love it when those are expressed in architecture and, and form. And I, I see a lot of projects that look very soulless and uh, mathematical and just like they don't have any, they don't, they're not inspired. And I just aim to be expressive you know, add a little ingredient of expression in there. And I know it's not art, but I, the more art that's integrated into it, I, I, I find it being a lot more effective. Cool. Yeah. Thinking about, you know, there's, there's, there's several of these points that, that really just go hand in hand. I see them in a lot of your, your, your projects, the more is more idea, which is all about creating one thing and repeating it all over the place. Yeah. 10,000 cups of coffee, 10,000 cups of coffee, yeah. 10, which I'm um, going to drink today. 3000, uh, 3000 rods in the Oculus. Yeah. There's also something that I saw in a lot of those pieces, which is the subtraction concept. Yeah. Do you want to describe that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. It's this idea of like, we're designing objects, but we're also designing the space between the objects and the, and the space sometimes takes on more of a role than the actual physical objects. They're almost like envelopes for the space. So designing with that thought or driver in mind creates uh, and yields, I think, some pretty unique results. And it also tells a story to whoever is experiencing it, right? Like people look at it and they see what was subtracted from what and where did it come from and where is it going? And was it just pulled from that? Was it rearranged from that? And I think I'm always looking for opportunities for the project to speak for itself and doing those types of moves, I, th I think gives the project more of a voice in like what it's trying to do. I, I, I love this. This is a thing that really speaks for itself when you see it visually. And it's almost hard to describe in a way that is understandable verbally, right? where you've got kind of a, a, a single object that was divided into yeah. a number of parts and then pulled away from itself. And then aspects of the design form positive and negative voids. Like right. that are useful, that are, that are yeah. useful yeah. for, for the function of whatever you're doing. And they're actually pulled from the other side that will show up opposite. Right. We'll definitely link to that link to a couple of those pictures in the, the notes here so that you can take a look. It's a really cool idea. And yeah, I've, you've executed it in a number of ways that are different. Yeah, I that like are it. Also really very interesting. I like it. And just like, I, I challenge, like I challenge people to try it, try designing the space rather than designing the object. It's pretty like, it's pretty amazing. You get these really unique results and it's, it's a lot of fun. Excellent. And I mean, kind of a lot of these, I mean, several of the things that you showed us were mm -hmm. probably very expensive, but there were some other things that you showed us that were considerably less. And I think that there are certain parts of a lot of these ideas that actually reduce costs without reducing yeah. effectiveness. And that's a, that's a fifth thing that you were talking about is some of the things you've come up with through cost effective Right, right. Uh, means. Yeah. Well, that's like the, that's the main parameter, right? Is like, like there's this we, much we money. We want something awesome. We don't have enough money. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you get the most bang for your buck? So a lot, you know, a lot of these ideas, simple complexity and repetition, are responses to that sure, parameter sure. that I always yeah. have. I've, I've, you know, I've yet to have like the the completely limitless budget project. So you know, whether it's may you never. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. But. 
I think dispelling the idea that because you have a little amount of money means you have a little amount of creativity. In fact, it's actually more. You know, I think it requires more figuring out when you less have money, less you gotta get smarter, money. Right? You know, I don't like to have a hundred percent of my projects being those types of projects. Sure. But when they come along, I, I like to. You know, I think there's a lot of opportunities to be creative. And yeah, we, we've had projects where we just have a couple guys folding paper airplanes for two weeks that, that, and seeing that how many, so awesome. yeah, seeing how many paper airplanes you can make and filling a window. Like it's just, how are you suspending yeah. those paper airplanes? They're all on these like pencil rod pieces that are, they're, they're like metal and they're all coming uh, from this like central like hemisphere that they're just kind of the, we, the idea was they're exploding around this mm. mannequin who's mm-hmm. like carrying this bag. And yeah, that was it like, we had so kinetic. It's like, there's so much movement in it. Yeah. And when you, and the thing is that you walk around it and it's, it just changes the, the, the vibe and that, you know, it's not like my, it's not my favorite project, but it's also like, it's a great example of like, Oh, you want, you, you want to sell this idea of travel. Well, let's make some paper airplanes <laughs> and, Oh, you, you only have this much the X amount of dollars, you know? and you have two weeks like it's like the ultimate two parameters weeks. and everyone's like dude we shouldn't take this project on like this is so lame like let's just pump out some vinyl like you know slapping <laughs> logos on things and then it's just like no no no, no dude like let's, let's like turn the kids again let's make paper airplanes like let's let's have some fun we were we had these debates in the shop where it's like what's the what's the most iconic or perfect paper airplane and and you realize like people make paper airplanes completely differently depending on like where they're from and stuff like that and we had like like you had these fun conversations i was obsessed with them as a child and i've got i've got five or six different designs that i love for different reasons yeah like i mean people are very passionate about their type of paper airplane they grew up with and like the moves like they're like you got to crease the wings like this or you got to fold it outside not inside (laughs) And it's like you would never have that that kind of like fun, creative conversations right. if it wasn't for this type of, you know, challenge. And it's quick, fun stuff, you know, quick, fun stuff. Well, Graham, uh, thank you so much for coming. Thank it's you. been a pleasure talking to you. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we go? Anything you like to plug or something coming up <laughs> where people can see you? No, I, re- I really appreciate you having me here. I'm a huge fan of Hush and what you guys do. I can't wait to collaborate with you guys. And yeah, the best way to see my work is just on my website. Excellent. And that is? GrahamKelman.com. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.